Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Well, uh, since Pastor Andrew talked about the 4th of July, how many of you guys like jokes? Right? Okay. I have a joke for you guys. (laughs) Why are there no knock-knock jokes about America? Because freedom rings. (laughs) I can tell by the slow murmur of everyone. They're like, okay. Well, I wanted to also start off with a joke because what we're going to be talking about is not a laughing matter. (laughs) That was also a joke, but still true. Okay. Um, No, but I actually wanted to talk to you guys about something that I like. It's not my favorite subject. Surprise, surprise. Um, But I wanted to talk to you guys today about suffering. (laughs) Yeah. Got a few woos. Okay. Um, no, but I was talking about, talking with the Lord just about like what word to bring and, and what was appropriate for this time. And I just kept thinking about how there's a lot going on in our country today. There's a lot going on in the lives of the people in this room. Uh, if you're a part of this church, even watching online, like there's a lot of things going on in the lives of everybody. And sometimes um, those things that go on, it, it looks like just a lot of suffering, truly. And uh, what I want to dive into today is I really want to kill some sacred cows because I think sometimes we think that we're suffering because God wants us to suffer. But that's actually incorrect. That's some incorrect theology. Um, It is not God's will necessarily for you to suffer, but he is going to be with you through the suffering. Amen. Uh, And so before we dive into this, I wanted to give you guys just some, we're going to be talking in 1st and 2nd Timothy, but I wanted to give you some historical facts. How many of you, you're like, I'm a history buff. I'm a little bit of a geek about it. Andrew Pineda, raise your hand. Yeah, it's, we like history. <laughs> um, if you're like in our house at any given time, he'll be like watching a documentary about the presidents or something because he just loves history. Well, I love um, history that coincides with biblical history. And so um, actually on July 18th, through July 23rd in AD, there was a great fire that happened in Rome. And this great fire was so terrible that it took out 70% of Rome. Really, really terrible thing. And it was actually at the hands of Nero, the the emperor Nero. And this is all like just with one search on Google or anything, you will find that what I'm saying is accurate. And so, and not only was there a great fire, but Nero in his, you know, he was a demonic leader. I truly believe that he was demonically influenced. He blamed the Christians for it. So if you don't know this, 1st and 2nd Timothy are written around the same time that Nero was in rule. 
And Nero hated Christians. He wanted all Christians, all people to worship him and his pagan gods. And so because, you know, 70% of Rome was burned to the ground and also um, that left half of the population homeless, he said, I'm going to blame the Christians. And this is what really started the great persecution of the church in those times. And so um, I wanted to point all these things out because... You know, we, we hear this scripture, 2 Timothy 1, 7, you know, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. It is true, yes, but it's not just like, like, oh, Paul wrote that to Timothy because like, don't be afraid, Timmy, okay? No, he wrote it to him because literally he feared for his life, truly. Timothy's biggest issue in First and Second Timothy was he was scared. He had a thriving church. Tons of people were a part of his church. But then you have this demonic leader who comes in and says, if you believe in Jesus, I'm going to kill you. And he's the pastor of this church. And so when Paul is saying this to Timothy, it wasn't just a fun, like Christian thing to say, like, don't be in fear. No, he's saying, Timothy, stand strong. I know what you're going through. I know the death that is on your mind, but stand strong. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. How many of you know, like, let's just think about that, a sound mind. Whenever certain death faces you, are you peaceful in your mind? I'm not. Not at first. Yeah, hard no. Not at first, we're we're not sound. We're freaking out. What are we even gonna do? If it's, and let's put it in today's vernacular, right? What if it's cancer? What if you have a diagnosis of cancer? The last thing on your mind is having a sound mind. What if there's a death of a loved one? The last thing on your mind is, is something sound. But look, Paul wrote the book on suffering. As he writes these letters, he's in prison awaiting to be killed. And actually, if you look at, at secular history, Nero's reign ended at 68 AD. Paul died, I believe, in 67 AD, which stands to say that it was his goal. Paul was going to die on his watch, and he did. And yet all throughout his writings, Paul's main focus, his main emphasis was think about how the Lord has has delivered me. Think about how, you know, four, three, no, five times. It was five times that he was beaten with rods. And if you don't know what that means, you can look this up too. So the Bible talks about these birch rods that were tied together. And uh, the person would be tied to a post and beaten, unclothed. And it was the goal for you to die. Like he should have died five times over, right? So it says that five times he was beaten and given lashes. Three times um, he was shipwrecked. Once he was stoned. And it's in Acts, if you want to look this up, it's Acts 14, 19 through 20, where it says that uh, they left him for dead. And I was, when I was reading this this morning, it wasn't even like Paul was arrested or something. It was literally like a crowd said, hey, there's Paul. We hate Paul. Everybody, let's stone Paul. And so what they did, and I don't know why, but I always heard like stonings, I think of like little pebbles, like let's throw little rocks at people till they get hurt. No, it was a brutal, brutal thing. Um, A person would be put in a pit and large stones would be hauled at them and they would normally aim for like the head because they aimed to kill. But Paul within this was stoned and it literally says that in, in scripture that he lived. 
that those gathered around him, believers gathered around him and miraculously he lived. And so, you know, I, I'm wanting to talk about all these things. It's kind of heavy, really heavy subject, suffering. Um, however, you know, when I was listening to uh, a book about, you know, Paul and the things that he wrote to Timothy, it's like, golly, this is really wild stuff, you know. But one thing that we don't ever talk about or look at was the fact that Paul lived to tell the tale of all these things. I really believe that this supernatural power of God was on Paul to not only survive through this time when his life was so threatened, but also to encourage those around him. Timothy was his spiritual son in the faith, um, if you don't know that. And Paul even talked to Timothy about, hey, like, if people are leaving your church, which I can imagine, and I bet now you can too, if there is a, uh, a devilish emperor who's out for blood, namely yours because you're a believer, people are probably like leaving left and right. Like, oh, I don't know about this. But Paul addresses that too in 2 Timothy 15, verse, uh, f- verse 15 through 17, if you want to turn there. Oh, I'm in First Timothy. LOL. I was like, that scripture's like not in there. But it is. Uh, verse 15 says, Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God, approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing and handling the, skillfully the word. Oh, shoots. That's a good scripture, but that's not it. Sorry. That's chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here it is. You already know that all who are in Asia turned away and forsook me. Uh, this is a name that I cannot pronounce. We're going to call him Phil. Phil and we're going to call him he. Phil and he, among them, may the Lord grant mercy to the family of Onesimus, for he often showed me kindness. So my point was is that Paul talked to Timothy about people abandoning him. Um, Paul walked with several people, but those several people you don't even hear about because for fear of their lives, they ran and fled. Except for Onesimus or this is an O name. If you read your Bible, you'll find it. But it says that he often showed me kindness and ministered to my needs, comforting and reviving and embracing me like fresh air. He was not ashamed of my chains and imprisonment for Christ's sake. No, rather, when he reached Rome, he searched diligently and eagerly for me and found me. And then he offers up a prayer for Onesimus and his family because he showed such, um, such fervor for reviving him back to life and like loving on him, even though he was imprisoned. Onesimus could have faced the same amount of persecution, and yet he said, well, no, this is my brother in the Lord. Like, I'm going to go after him. Um, I think all of this is so important to note because, you know, there is going to be things that we just go through. Like, there are going to be trials of every sort that you can imagine. Um, but I think it's it's worthy to to talk about because, God is going to be with you through those things. And sometimes I think we call suffering, you know, things that we've done to ourselves sometimes, right? Like you're facing a certain thing that you're facing right now, not because of the devil, although he does attack you, he hates you truly, but maybe because of a decision that we made. 
Maybe because we refuse to allow God to take over every part of our being, every part of ourselves, and allow him to make it new. So then when this attack comes, you're like, oh, well, the devil this, and, and I'm just suffering through. And it's like, well, maybe you just need to repent. Like, maybe you just need to obey. Like, it's not as hard always as we make it seem. Now, when I talk about suffering and, and things that are difficult, life is difficult. And life is a test for Pastor Cameron, if he's watching. <laughs> He talks about that all the time because it's, it's something he believes. I believe it too. Your life on this earth is a test. We don't get do-overs. This is it. The 365 that we get in a year, that's it. This year will be here and gone. What did you do with your year? What did you do with the 1,440 minutes that you had in a day? It's, our, it's so important that as our lives is shown to other people that we're living it in such a way that points to Christ, even in the midst of tremendous difficulty, even in the midst of, okay, Lord, like, how am I going to pay bills? Like, I worked as much as I could. I'm tithing. I give. And yet I don't have enough, Lord. What am I going to do? Are you going to bend to financial hardship? Because that seems to be the most common thing that people have an issue with. It's financial hardship. God, are you going to come through for me? How, 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 how are you going to come through for me? Or in the midst of family, family stuff. Gosh, how many of you guys have, sometimes you have difficult families. <laughs> how, many, how many know that you're sometimes the difficult one in your family? <laughs> and that's so hard because I know a lot of people who hold their families near and dear to their hearts. And so when tragedy strikes family, you want to cut and run. You want to leave. You're like, I have to go tend to my family. I have to be with my family. But even Jesus had an answer for that in the Gospels. Let the dead bury the dead. Follow me, right? I really think it's so important that we not only look at the sufferings of Paul and say, oh, well, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll suffer through. Or even we get into the other ditch, right? So one side of the ditch is like, oh, suffering is not of God and, or, you know, you're thinking that it is of God and I don't know why he's doing this, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Or you're in the other side of the ditch where you think like, we're only called to suffer. That's the only thing we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to have anything nice. We're not supposed to prosper. Nope. We're just supposed to suffer. That's all we're supposed to do. That's still wrong. Okay. So even though Paul is suffering in prison and he's really dying. I believe that it's, we're not supposed to forsake the things that Jesus himself talked about in the gospels, about seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Or about the parable of the talents, right? And some think that's about like actual talent, but also investment. The, the, the person that was given the talents, the ruler that handed out the talents, he wanted to know what did you do with the talents that I gave you? There are no clauses in the Bible. There's no like, oh, well, this part of the Bible is only for like new believers and people who are like, don't know Jesus quite yet. And then this part of the Bible is for like the seasoned church. Although it seems that way, because I was thinking about this, truly, I was stumped earlier in this week. I was like, how does suffering tie in with like all of the other things? Like, what was Paul thinking? really the answer that the Holy Spirit kind of showed me was that we're always supposed to go back to the things that Jesus said. 
we're always supposed to live within the word that he gave to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and to live within those words. Why? Because if you can get those things down, not into your mind only, but into your heart, when trials and suffering comes, guess what? You have the mental fortitude to stand. And the Bible talks about that too, standing. When everything around you is chaotic, we stand, right? And so I, I want to just encourage all of us today um, to, to really keep that in mind, that while there are things that come your way, if we get into the word and actually treat the word almost like athletes treat training, and that's actually how Paul talks to Timothy in First and Second Timothy. He switches his narrative in a lot of ways to, to talk about athletes who prepare for sports um, and also about being in the army. Why? Because when you think of like the army or the military, even in you know, America, they like train their butts off. Like it's so intense. They have a lot of intense things that they do to prepare for what? For anything, for anything that comes. That's the way that we should be study, studiers, students of the word. So that whatever may come, you know, you know what the good book says and you live your life by what the good book says. And if we step outside of that, and if we step into a place where we're living in sin, or maybe we've made one mistake that you repent and you get right back on and you live within this word. Can you turn with me to Joshua 1, 8? I just thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us in your word. How many of you are so thankful for the word of God? It's so, so important that we know the word of God. We don't want to be biblically illiterate. So Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, then you shall deal wisely and have good success. You know, there, there are often times where I'm the one asking the Lord, Lord, how, what's going to happen? Are you going to provide? And I always know the answer, but I think sometimes like, and you can be honest if this is you, how many times like something difficult happens and instead of like thinking about it, you're like, we're just not going to think about it right now. We're just going to like do other things because that big thing is like the Ooga Booga Man and we don't want to talk about it or look at it. We're just going to like do other things. Um, well, generally, I have been making a practice of doing the opposite of that. I sit and I think about what's going on. And then I say, Lord, where are you in the midst of this? What do you have to say about this thing? This is difficult for me. I know that you know it's difficult for me. And therefore, I know you have a solution for me. And if, if we are so frazzled by life and we are so unlearned in scripture, it can be difficult to take time to think about what God has to say about a matter. And in case you are unaware, you should be taking every matter, large, small, everything in between before the Lord, because he's got something to say about everything. 
He's got something to say about the difficult questions that you have, even theologically. I think sometimes, you know, the church gets a bad rep because it's like, well, I had questions and, and nobody would answer my questions. Yeah, I think that's incorrect. If you ever have a question about the word or about the Lord's character, you ought to be bringing it. The Lord is not afraid of your questions. The Lord is not afraid of, of you not knowing something. In fact, he wants you to come so he can give you the answer. But I take time and I say, Lord, like, what, what do I do? And do you know sometimes the Lord just reminds me, am I a good father? Carrie, am I a good father to you? I'm like, okay, yes, Lord, you are. Carrie, have I been faithful to you? I'm like, yeah, Lord, you, you have been faithful. You're very faithful. He's like, okay, if I've been faithful before, I'll be faithful now. I'm like, okay, okay, you're right, you're right. And so for you today, I don't know what it is that you may be walking through currently. Life may be awesome for some of you. Life may be just like dandy and you're like, I'm doing good. I'm on the mountaintop right now. Life is awesome. But maybe for some of you, you're in a valley right now. Things are difficult. You don't, you're not sure which way is up. And it's just, it's downright hard and you want to quit. You want to quit. But I would just encourage you, and I believe the spirit of the Lord wants to encourage you, that if he was faithful before, he'll be faithful now. And it's so simple, but I think we need to hear it over and over again. If there is one bad thing that happens, five bad things that happen, we've got no clue what to do about them. We just have to sit and allow the Lord to speak to us. He's faithful. But I can't emphasize like knowing the word enough. I can't emphasize being a student of this book enough. Because the only reason that I can stand and stay mobilized, like stay in the place that I'm at, is because I have been a student of the word. I've allowed this word to permeate my life so that I know if it's not good or perfect, then it didn't come from him. And then I know what my stance on it needs to be. In fact, I want you to lay your eyes on that. Let's turn to James 1, I believe it's 17. Is this helping anybody this morning? Good, 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 good. So James 1.17 says that every good and perfect, and then it says free, large, full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light in the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning. So every good and every perfect gift, it comes from above. So whenever you are in the midst of a challenge, if it's not good and it's not perfect, then it's not from God. But also that means that his grace is sufficient for you to overcome. Because while we are going to face various trials, various things that kind of knock our socks off, like we are just bewildered by these things, if Jesus paid the price for us, that means that every victory was given to him which means that every victory is available to you. That is a, an exciting thing. Of course, the cross is a finished work. The healing of our bodies, it's a finished work. The provision that we receive, it's a, it's a finished thing. It's a done deal. So that means that whatever comes, God has got your back. Whatever mental thing that's locked you up, 
whether it be a bipolar disorder, a diagnosis of any kind, major depression. Did you know that God is also the God of mental illness? He is the God who's conquered mental illness. Maybe that's your challenge. Maybe it's not a loved one dying or a diagnosis. No, maybe it's just straight up mental health. And I wanna tell you today that just as much as God wants to grow out any legs or see your body be free from cancer, he also wants your mind to be settled. He wants your mind to be free. And, you know, it's interesting because while we talk about, you know, like, yeah, we're, we're going to suffer and God's going to be with us through it. I just, I really can't emphasize that enough, actually. I want to go back to that, that, that whole mental health thing. God wants you to be free from that. So I don't know who that's for. Or maybe you didn't, you've never heard that before. People don't talk about that in church enough. But God wants you free. I was listening to, uh, I, think, I think it was a service. It was a healing service at Bethel. And there was someone who came on stage and testified about the fact that the Lord healed them from a bipolar disorder. Like years and years of having a bipolar disorder. And she said, I just knew I was free because for the first time in a long time, my mind was settled. My mind was at peace. And so if that is the thing that you're suffering through, I just want to encourage you today that, that God is for you and he is your healer. And it doesn't have to be this way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you all just close your eyes? Just, we just need to take a second. Thank you, Lord. We look to you, Jesus. Hmm the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. You are everything we need. You are everything we need. We thank you, Jesus. Would you just hold out your hands? Eyes closed, but just hold out your hands. I really believe that the Lord is just releasing things. Many of you are asking the Lord for things. You have questions, or maybe you, you need something from him, and I truly believe that the anointing is present for those things to be given to you. And so I just thank you, Father God. This is what it's all about, Lord. You want to meet your people. And so I just thank you, Father God. Whatever thing your children are asking you for, Father, I thank you that you'd grant those things in such a miraculous way. I thank you that you're answering their questions, you're healing their bodies, their minds. You're bringing liberty to them today, Father God. True freedom, true deliverance. Thank you, Father. Unquestionably free. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I told the Lord yesterday, I said, Lord, I think I've prepared accurately for what you want me to say. But at any point, if you want to invade what I'm saying, or if your spirit has something that he wants to do, I'm so open to that. So we just thank you, Lord. We thank you. We just thank you. Awesome. Okay, so let's take a look at Proverbs. 
Or no, while we're in James, because we're here already, let's go to James 1, verse 2. I'm super familiar with this scripture because I feel like I used to hear it all the time. And then I feel like Pastor Andrew says it all the time. I don't know. But James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured, verse 3, and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. Verse 4, but let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Then verse 5 goes on to say, if, you, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding, and it will be given him. Wisdom is the most devastating thing to lack, I think, uh, because wisdom is the key to our issues. The Bible says that if you, if you ask for wisdom, he gives it. But I think it's important to focus on verse 2. Consider it joyful whenever you face various trials. Because then you're going to have, there's a thorough work in there. There's a thorough work that's being done. The testing of your faith. And you know, there's something else too about suffering. It is about your level of faith. Are you sure God's going to come through? Because if you're not, today I, I just encourage you to get sure. Get sure. Get sure that God's good. Because there is coming a day, probably very soon, where that will truly come into question. You were already seeing persecution of Christians happening in today's day and age. We're not super far from that. Hate to be doom and gloom, but it's a reality. Jesus is coming back for his church, his glorious bride. But in the time that before that, we need to be sure where we stand. You know, it's so interesting. Um, whenever I listen to this book, you know, and Paul, talk, I was listening to this book about Paul and how he was talking about just the language that he utilized. He talked about how the devil's not going to not take cheap shots at you. So you need to be prepared to fight him with all your might, to stand with all your might. And whenever he talked about this, um, it, this is in a book, it's called uh, Life in the Combat Zone. It's by Rick Renner. And I really like Rick Renner because he talks about what the Greek words mean and like the language that's kind of given whenever the scripture was written. And he talked about just the, the intensity of Greek fighters, Greek athletes, and how they were just, they're some bad man pajamas, okay? There's this one like um, fight or this one like athletic thing. It's called pancreatist, being a pancreatist. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. But he talked about how like the word means like to suffer, like you, or to overpower the person that you're fighting. And basically pancreatists like get into a ring and like there is no like, oh, yay, I lost. I'm going to go like recover. No, it's like fight to the death. And so when Paul is talking to Timothy about standing and enduring and, you know, fight lawfully, he's talking about the, the battles of the pancreatists and the wrestlers and um, the boxers have that type of endurance, have that type of tenacity when it comes to the things of the Lord and when it comes to the, the way that the enemy will come at you. 
And I don't think I'd ever heard it that way. Of course, I'd read some of this book, but I was like, this is intense stuff. But like, think about your life and think about the things that are going on in it. That's intense stuff too. So in the same way that things are being thrown at you left and right, challenge after challenge, God's given you the authority and the power to overcome those things, but this is how you have to come at it. You're not coming at it like this is just some, some small thing. You're coming at it as if your life depends on it because it does. Your life in God depends on it. The way that we fight, the way that we stand, everything after that, if you don't stand, if you do stand, everything after that can be completely different. If you choose to stand, I believe that you'll see the reward of a victory. You'll see God come through for you, even in the midst of crazy, crazy challenges. I believe that you'll see God come through for you. And if you choose to not stand, then another challenge will come. Then another challenge will come then bitterness can set in your mind. And then you'll sit in this church, hear somebody preach a word and not even be able to take it in because you chose not to stand before. Because now you've given place to the enemy in in your mind. Now you've given the enemy a place in maybe your finances or in your family. Folks, I'm telling you, you have to choose to stand in the midst of adversity. It's so hard in the midst of it. But you know, that's why we are so big about family. At this church, we believe that if you're here, your family... And that is for better, for worse, and everything in between. You need family to stand with you. Whenever life is screaming at you, you're not gonna make it. You're not gonna make it. Guess what you need to do? You need to call up somebody. For me, it's Caitlin and Lacey and and Faith. Hey, I'm having a challenge. And Christina, I I don't know what to do. I'm really having a challenge. Normally, Christina, I'm I'm praying right now. Oftentimes she's like, yeah, I've been praying for you all day. The Lord's been telling me this. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. There are people God placed in your life so that you don't go to battle alone. You don't have to battle alone. There should be a group of people in your life that can say, hey, I have been there before or hey, I've not been there, but I know God. I know God and he is gonna make us be victorious. He's gonna cause you to be victorious within this. Let's stand together. I'm gonna keep you accountable to keeping your head up. I'm gonna keep you accountable. Are you reading the word? Are you speaking the word over your life? Which brings me to Proverbs 18. Let's turn to Proverbs 18. I used to read Proverbs 18 a lot because I just didn't know quite what to do with my words all the time. I mean, many of us at one time or another have just had a time with our mouth, right? You let your mouth say things that it ought not say. Even small things, even jokes like, oh man, my back's killing me. Like, oh, is it? I did. So, and I call this chapter, Watch Your Mouth. (laughs) That's for y'all too. Watch your mouth, right? Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. We can just see law right there, right? (laughs) What are you saying in the midst of adversity, in the midst of trials? Are you allowing your your mouth to, to sign checks that you shouldn't be signing? Or are you meditating day and night on what the word says? 
our words can determine our, our next thought. If you are continually speaking life over your situation, over your family, even when things look a certain way. Look, I have spoken in faith over a lot of things that I'm like, this don't even look like nothing's happening, but that's okay because I'm gonna continue to speak life no matter what. I mean, over people, literally over people that are my enemy for sure. And I know that they mean to do harm. And yet I'm like, no, Lord, I just thank you for that person. I thank you for the righteousness that they are. I thank you that you've called them according to your purposes. I just thank you that they are, they're just wonderful and delightful people. (laughs) If you can think to say nothing else, like, Lord, I just thank you that that person, they're a delight and you love them. They're your child. You love them. I know that. (laughs) Rather than, gosh, I'm just not sure how this is going to work out. I don't know if the Lord's going to be faithful. And that sounds ridiculous, right? We would never allow ourselves to say, I don't know if God's going to be faithful. But it's with our other words that kind of point to that. It's in our other words that you have to kind of bring yourself back to reality. Like, okay, that sentence that you just said, is God's faithfulness in that or no? And that's why community is so important. Because there's going to be people around you to say, hey, does that match up with God's faithfulness? Or, hey, James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Is this good and perfect? Because then it gives you an opportunity to really think, okay, what am I saying right now? Do I believe that? Do I believe that or am I having a hard time? And oftentimes, like, and if you are close friends with me, then you know this. Sometimes people will come to me and say certain things. And I don't say words necessarily. I don't make statements. I just ask questions. Well, is God good though? Is God going to provide? Uh, is God faithful? Yeah, yeah, he is. Or it's like, oh, yeah, he is, but you know, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and it's okay. We have humanity. Like it's so hard to, all, to constantly be like, yeah, this is great. Life is awesome. Sometimes it's with you, you're gritting your teeth you're holding your fist. You're like, God's good. I refuse to believe anything else. But you still ought to say that. You still ought to have that as a belief. Am I driving home the point with any of anybody this morning? <laughs> that's good. <laughs> well, I think that that's all that I have for you guys this morning. But um, Andrew, where are you? Oh, there you are. You can come up, babe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, I want to just take, take a few minutes And just ask the Lord truly what he has to say to a couple of you, a few of you, if he has a word to release or anything like that. But I also just want to encourage you that you are not alone in your situation. And I have seen God come through time and time again, and I know that he'll come through for you. Whatever it is, however it looks like, if it's a business venture, if it's investing, Actually, is Eric leaving? Yeah, I wanted to pray for you, Eric, actually. So if he wants to come back. (laughs) Sorry, are you trying to like go to the bathroom or something? Yeah, just come on up. I just really felt like the Lord wanted me to pray for you. Um, Are you starting a business? You're trying to, you started a business. 
Yeah, so I wanted to pray for you because I really believe that the Lord wanted me to tell you that he's got your back and your business is going to be successful. And all the things that are like trying to come against you in your business, the Lord's like, he's like, it's okay, I've got your back. And so, Father, I just thank you right now for Eric. Would you just lift your hands and just receive from the Lord, Eric? I just thank you so much for your servant, Lord. I thank you that he's a faithful son. God, I just thank you that you're causing everything that he touches to prosper. I thank you that you are causing everything that he puts his hands to. They'll prosper. And do you know that it's nothing that you did, Eric, but because of who he is and his love for you? And so, Father, right now, I just release that over your son in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive his peace for you right now. I just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can go ahead and close your eyes if you'd like. Let's just look at Jesus. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we become whatever we behold. So if you're looking at Jesus, we can't help but become more like Jesus because we look at him. Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. would would you just stand this morning let's not let those words just be words on a screen words that we sing I encourage you to just dedicate your everything dedicate yourself whether that be again you need to dedicate yourself again to the Lord 
or you're choosing today. Lord, I haven't let you have every part of my life, but today I wanna do that. I have been keeping this one thing to myself, but today I wanna give that over to you, Lord. Every area of my life is yours, Lord. If that's your prayer this morning, if you're ready to take that step, would you just lift your hands? And and look, all that means is that you're surrendering, that you're open to what it is that he has to say, that you do desire to give him all of everything. And we just thank you, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm away, have your way in me, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take. Every moment I'm away, have your way in me. Come have your way. Have your way. We behold you, Jesus. Come have your Fascinating, come and behold him, get lost in his majesty. Come and behold him, isn't he captivating? We'll keep on singing for all of eternity. Come and behold him, isn't he fascinating? Come and behold him, get lost in his majesty. Come and behold him, isn't he captivating? We'll keep on singing for all of eternity. Come and behold him, isn't he captivating? Come and behold.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, would you just begin to praise him with your own lips? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. There's none like you. There's none like you, Jesus. There's none like you, Lord. There's none like you, Lord. Oh, there's none like you, Jesus. There's none like you, Lord. Oh, there's none like you in all the earth. There's none like you in all the earth. There's none like you. Look, if you need prayer in this house, I know it's getting late. And if you've got to go, that's totally okay. But can our prayer partners come forth? I'd love for you to receive prayer. I really believe that the the healing power of God is in this house this morning, this afternoon. And if you need that in any way, shape or form, I encourage you to come because he's here. The healer is in the room. The restorer is in the room. So we just thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. God, you're so good. You're so good, Lord. And there's no other name, and there's no other name like yours. Oh, there's no other name. And there's no other name, and there's no other name like yours, Jesus, like yours, Jesus. And there's no other name, and there's no other name like yours, Jesus, like yours, Jesus. And there's no other name, and there's no other name like yours Jesus like yours Jesus and there's no other name and there's no other name like yours Jesus like yours Jesus and there's no other name there's no other name like yours Jesus, like yours, Jesus. 
Jesus. We're so thankful that you guys have joined us this morning. We're so glad that you could be here. And like Pastor Andrew was saying earlier, we are going to be heading out to the Harveys later today. 
So if you, if you leave, we hope to see you there. And if not, that's okay. We love you and we'll see you next week. But I would just encourage you to go love God, love people, and lead well.